Hi, welcome to Motherhood, Mental Health and Me. I'm your host, Jeanette Binion. And in this episode, I spend some time chatting to Dr. Shamina Abushan, who is the author of a book called If You Touch, I'll Tell. It's a book written for children, highlighting the dangers of child sexual abuse. So Shamina is a survivor of child sexual abuse and she very frankly and honestly and courageously shares her story. I hope you enjoy the episode. It's quite a challenging subject matter, um, but she also offers some tips on how we as parents can help protect our children. So please do share this episode with any friends you have who have kids and um, let me know what you think of it. Enjoy. So, so could you tell me just firstly a little bit about what you do and where you're from? So, yeah, so I am, so Shamina Abishon, of course, and I was born and raised in the Caribbean. I was born on the small island of Dominica. So not to be confused, uh-huh. the Dominican Republic, <laughs> a lot of people think it's the same place. Um, but no, I, then I migrated to the U.S. when I was only 17. And now I'm actually a regulatory scientist. So I work um, in the vaccine industry. And um, I just had a story to tell and I decided to write this book. So, yeah, I'm so happy that um, people enjoy it and it's helping young people. So let's talk about the book and your childhood. Um, I guess, where would you want to start? How did you have the courage, firstly, to share your experience? So the truth is, I was just tired of not having the courage. I was tired of being scared. And I was ready to be vulnerable because as I got older, so I am a, I am a survivor, not a victim. I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse. And I was abused for seven years, about seven years, because honestly, it started when I remember, um, it began at seven, but I was only seven. So for all you know, it could have happened before, but I just don't have that recollection. Um, And I know it ended when I was 14, because when I was 14, I told my mom. And of course, it never happened again. But yeah, so I kind of lived through that. Uh, My abuser was my own biological father. And um, I know, I know. And as I got older, um, so I, so at 14, you know, when it ended, I thought I was fine and I was fine up until I was 20 something years old. And then as I started getting into serious relationships, I realized I wasn't fine. Um, I didn't start having children until later on. So I had my first child when I was 34, I had a boy and everything was great. Um, and even though, you know, boys, little boys get abused, but because I, I live my life as a female in this earth, so I don't know what it feels like to be a boy. So when I had my son, it, it didn't bother me at all. And then two years later at 36, I gave birth to my daughter. And the day that the nurse told me I was having a little girl, it all came crashing in Jeanette. I didn't know what to do. It's like I got hit by a bus. And all I could think of was, how am I going to protect this little girl? Because, you know, it's just different because it's a girl. And I just felt, to me, she just felt more vulnerable. I didn't know how I was going to save her. And all my pain came crashing in. Everything I thought I had healed from, I had not healed from. And I'll be honest, I hadn't had therapy um, because I had a bad experience with a therapist. Um, And so that was just one time I went to a therapist, didn't go back because of a bad experience. Um, The person was just not sensitive and I needed somebody sensitive. And then, but what happened too, see, I stay in very close contact with my country, Dominica, and what's happening there. And the rate of child sexual abuse is out the window. So we're one of the smaller islands in the Caribbean, but we have the highest rate of child sexual abuse. 
And I wanted to bring awareness to the country. I wanted to be an advocate for um, children who had no voice. And of course, even here in the U.S., where I live now, you know, that you hear all the cases of abductions and, you know, um, human trafficking. And I'm just so sick and tired of it. I said, you know what? I know I'm one person and I cannot heal everyone. I cannot solve every problem, but I can try, right? And so I did what I, I knew how to do. I knew I could take pen to paper. I had never written a book before besides my dissertation. And I just started writing. And that's really the short version of my story. And I'm happy to go into detail into any of those other pieces. But yeah, that's the gist of the whole thing, how it started. Were you able to go back and have therapy or anything like this? So, um, you know, this here's a funny thing. So I had my daughter. Uh, everything started getting worse. Um, I'm such a, 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 like a very protective mom. And I, never, I still never went to therapy because I still kept on remembering that bad episode when I was 18. Basically, the therapist just told me, you know, she said, she wanted me to tell her about an experience. I had just met this lady. It was my first time meeting her. Um, I was in college and the college provided like free counseling services. And she wanted me to tell her, like tell about an event. And I said, I cannot speak about it. I cannot speak it. But if you ask me a question, I can tell you yes or no. And she refused to do that to, with me. And she said to me, well, you're not ready to be healed. When you're ready to be healed. And that hurt so bad, Jeanette. It hurt me so bad. I couldn't believe that she would say that to me. And so even after my daughter was born, I didn't go to therapy. And you would not believe it when I tell you, I only started therapy about three months ago. Wow. I, so you probably know that um, I met I met with Gail, she invited me onto her show, CBS Mornings. And after the show, you know, we had a conversation because I was really upset just, you know, talking about it. And um, it brought up a lot of like feelings within me. And she said to me, you know, you really need to get some therapy. And she, she was so kind and she, she like, you know, gave me some um, the information to a really good contact. And from there, you know, I started getting therapy. It was really Gail who like encouraged me to do that. And she's telling me that then I have to listen. Right. And so I've been in therapy now um, since in, since August 2022. And I, I am feeling better, but it's still a journey. It's still a journey. So my goodness me. So um, how did you if we can just go back? How were you yes. able to um, tell your mother what was going on? Oh my goodness, I don't even know. But I remember since I was around 10, I wanted to tell. Because see, at seven, eight, and nine, even though I knew I knew it was wrong, you just have this, you know, you have this spirit within you that tells you when things are right or wrong. But when you're seven years old and your dad tells you that it's normal, you believe him because you trust your dad, right? And so, but by the time I was 10, you know, and children are curious and we have friends and we hear things, we see things, we know things, we learn things, right? I knew for sure it was wrong. But I didn't have the voice. I did not know how to tell my mom. And my mom was, I mean, like most Caribbean parents, my mother was strict. So we have the kind of, you know, the society where you do as you're told and you listen to your parents, you respect your parents. And we don't talk about sex as children. Even the adults don't talk about sex. And so I, I just knew it was going to be an issue, a problem. And also, my father always told me, you know, that... Um, I would get in trouble if I told, and it was all my fault and everything was my fault because I was the one to blame. And so I was so scared. I knew in my soul that I was not to blame and I wasn't at fault, but it was just, I was a little girl. I was a baby. So one day 
I mean, I tried, I tried a lot of things. I remember when I was around 13, I would say, I just want to kill myself. I would, um, I'm just going to like drink some poison and I would never kill myself. I am not that person. I love my life way too much, even back then. And I love the world. I love the sky, but I was trying to get attention. And I was hoping that somebody would come to me and say, why do you keep saying those things? But nobody did. And so I had to just get it out of me. And so a year later, I, one morning I woke up. It was, I believe it was the summertime because I did not have to go to school that day. It was either the summertime or it was a weekend. And my mom was in the kitchen. I opened the front door because my plan is I'm going to say those words to her mm-hmm. and I'm going to run out the door. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know what she's going to say. Mm-hmm. I did exactly that. And all I remember her saying was, she was like, what? But she believed me. I could tell by her what that she wasn't mad at me. It was a very, like, um, how do I, like, what? Like a, you know, a shocked what? <laughs> but I knew my mother, and I knew that, that she was not mad at me. But I ran out the door anyways. I went to a friend's house. And I did not come back, Jeanette, until the sun went down around 7 o'clock or so. I know she'd be worried, like, where, you know, where's Mina? And when I came home that night, of course, my parents, we all lived together, you know, mother, father, children. My father was in a sling, and he had three broken fingers. Now, my mother is a little lady, right? She broke his fingers. Yeah, she broke his fingers. She broke his fingers. She's what you call a pepper. She's like a little, she's a short lady, but she has a, I mean, a fire in her. Strong lady. Mentally, physically. And I mean, honestly, I mean, that whole thing broke up my family. But um, yeah, so I never, they were never pressured. Um, we never pressed charges against my dad. Um, I don't even know why I say my dad. I never call him my dad, but my father. And um, to this day, he's a free man. And unfortunately, to this day, he's still an abuser because he is in his 70s now. And he has a three-year-old son with a girl who just turned 20. You know that he's been with that girl before she was of age, of age in Dominica. I mean, even when I found out, um, there was a point in time when I thought I was healed and I thought I had forgiven him because I tried. And I really did thought I was healed because when we had a really bad hurricane in Dominica in 2017 and everything got destroyed, everybody lost everything. And I, and I made sure that when I sent stuff home to my mom, I'd sent stuff home to my father as well because I'd forgiven him. And then two years later, I heard about that situation with that young girl. And let me tell you, all forgiveness went out the window. And I'm trying to forgive him for maybe the 100th time in my life. But it's been a process. I don't know where I got the strength from. I know that was your question. I just, one day I had to tell because I needed it to stop. I was losing my head. I needed to stop. And so it was either I find a voice or I just die from this. I didn't want to die from this. And I, I knew I had a bright future. I was, I mean, it's always been a bright, brilliant, brilliant young person. And I, I love life. I love the world. I love nature. I love the sky. So I just wanted to get out of that prison, you know? So I told because of that. You know, as a, as a mother, I'm a mother to two girls. Hearing your story, knowing about this book, you know, this is one of my biggest fears, something I'm afraid of. And... Mm. I've had an experience um, by a family friend, which I've never spoken to anybody about. Mm-hmm. Ha- you, I'm so sorry. It's okay because it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was like. Um, it was just one occasion, and but he he, um, I guess, molested me. I don't know what. But I didn't have the words, like you said. I'm. I come from an. I come from an African family. We don't talk about sex. You don't talk about relationships, and children aren't seen 
or heard. Yeah. So there's no outlet. Yeah, same culture. Talk about this. Yes. Jeanette, we really, you know, our African cultures in Africa, in the Caribbean, and anywhere else, we have to ensure that we allow our children to have a voice. Children are are not just bodies. You have to let them express themselves. I I remember not ever being able to express myself. Like if I was angry, like if my mother was yelling at me or somebody was yelling at me for something I did, and I wanted to explain why I did it, or maybe they were not, it was not the correct story. And I was trying to say, no, this is exactly this is actually what happened i would get shut down all the time you were not allowed to speak as a person even when you get older so where when everybody else who has a chance to speak learns their voice from the time that they're seven eight nine some of us who have these upbringings we don't learn our voice until we're like we start learning at 21 22 and we leave our homes which is ridiculous yes yeah how did this impact your relationship like with your husband i mean how did he know about this yes when i one thing about me was once i told um a lot of people i will say like you know the whole idea of sexual abuse brings a lot of embarrassment and for me too it did at the very beginning but then i realized you know what it's just the power of the predator is in our secret it's safe then they have all the power and so i just my power over my embarrassment and the more i talked about it the less embarrassed i felt because the more i talked about it the more i realized it wasn't my fault i was a baby and i just kept on talking about it Jeanette, and i never stopped talking about it i've been talking about it since i was about 17 i tell everybody because and you know what you know what the sad part the sad part is so many people who i knew as children and they have great careers and great jobs and wonderful relationships they've been abused too it's almost like the other person i tell my story they have a story and so i tell them you have to talk about it just keep on talking about it the more we tell people the more we're gonna scare those predators like these women are talking these women are they're gonna look out for their daughters and their, their sons did your mom know she did had, your mom have any idea? Had no idea. And let me tell you, my mother is the kind of person she she couldn't lie to me. I would know. She had no idea. I mean, he he would do that stuff when she was not in the house or when she was in a deep sleep, especially if she was sick or something like that. You know, he was very tactical in the way he would do stuff. He would say sometimes he would say to my mom, because my mother is like me, like we're very, we have a very close, a very small and very close circle. So we're not the kind of people who are always out in the streets. And he would tell her, you're always in the house. You need to get a hobby. You need to go somewhere, do something. He would try to get her out the house. And he was, a, he, my father is a very tactical, very savvy, very brilliant man. He's very bright too. He's an engineer, smart, savvy man. Doesn't always use his, his intelligence for good. But yeah, my mother had no idea. How can we as mothers now, what do we do really? How do I protect my children? Yes. Um, Here's what I'll say. The first thing is as, as early as you can. I mean, some people want to wait till their kids are five. I said, that's too late. I'm talking about preschool age when they're two and three, even when you change your diapers. I remember telling my son, you know, I'm going to change your diaper. Your penis is private. And if anybody touches your penis, you will shout, don't touch my penis. And I'll give you a funny story. You know, he was, oh, he just started talking and, you know, he knew about his body parts. We taught him, you know, my head, my eyes, my penis, that kind of stuff. What were the sentences? And one day, you know, I'm his mom. I'm cleaning him down and I wipe his penis and he started to scream. You touched my penis. Husband <laughs> came running. He's like, wait, what's going on? And I was like, I taught him how to say that. And I touched his penis. And so he's yelling, which is okay. I need him to do that. And so when I had my daughter, I did the same thing with her. I started very early on. 
very early on, we talk about her private parts and and I never, you know, another thing too is like sometimes we'll see our kids, you know, they touch themselves because they're trying to explore their bodies. I tell parents, don't ever, if you see your child doing that, don't yell and reprimand and scare them. No, that is their body. Just tell them, you know, please ensure you do that in privacy in your room because when we start scaring children and making them feel like, you know, their body is a bad thing and they shouldn't be doing this bad thing, the taboo starts that way. So encourage them, you know, just tell them to make sure they do that stuff in private and, you know, just don't don't scare them about it, but talk to them about it. Tell them other people shouldn't be doing that. If that's something that they do, it should be done by themselves alone. And, you know, another tip I would say is for many of us, our children have to go to daycare you know, care with other people. Yes. The first day you walk in there, after you, you know, you send paperwork, you say, hey, this is my daughter or my son. And I know my child is going to be in your care. And I am very, very much aware and against child sexual abuse. And I have spoken to my child and my child will speak up. Let them know that this is not the child you want to mess with because this child will speak up. And they don't want to mess with that mother. So if you, I think if you're vocal about it, that school, that caretaker, they're going to be very vigilant when it comes to your child. Mm-hmm. Parents that don't speak up and then they have the children who don't speak up and nobody knows what's going on. Those are the children that get victimized. If someone knows that this parent is an animal, they're not, they're gonna, most likely they're not going to mess with your child. Because the big thing about child abuse, you know, is that a lot of it is grooming, right? So people will do like a lot in front of you to try to see how much they can do. So for example, my situation is a little, is a little tricky, right? Because that was my own father. So if he hugged me or anything else, nobody would think anything of it. But let's just give a more general example. Let's just say there's an uncle, let's say, and the uncle or a friend, a, a good family friend, and you have a daughter, he comes to your house and he hugs your daughter and he hugs her tight and he hugs her long and you don't say, okay, I think that's a long enough hug. Let her go now. So he said, okay, she didn't say anything. And then maybe the next time he comes over, um, you guys are all laughing and then he'll laugh and she'll, he'll smack her on the leg, like pretend it's a laugh, like a laugh smack, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't say anything. He's like, okay. And then he might rub her back and he might rub her leg and... Children don't always have a voice and parents need to be the first voice. They learn. We learn from our parents. So if you don't speak up as a mother, now this man or woman who's touching your child in front of you is going to touch your child behind your back. So we have to speak up. And another thing too, and I think that was one of, this was one of the things that applied to me. These predators, they know. So my mother was very strict. She was the kind of mom, you know, be tidy, be clean, be respectful, do as you're told kind of thing. My father knew that. So these predators look at, look at how you treat your children. If they see your child has no voice, if they see you treat your child in a certain way where they're very, it's a very strict household and the child and the mother are not so close, they're going to look at those children as prey because they know the child may have no one to turn to. It's a lot. It's, a lot. it's about how you raise your child. People are watching. It's about who's in your life. And 93% of children who get abused they know their abuser and they'll tell you the abuser is a close friend or family member, 93%. And you know, the other 7% of those, those children that say that they don't know, we don't know how many of them are not telling the truth. They could be so scared. So the number could be higher than 93%. It's only a very, very small percent of the time that it's a stranger. Small person, majority of the time, you know the person and it's somebody you know very well. It could be a teacher, it could be somebody in the church, it could be a family member in your house or a distant family member. Um, it could be older cousins. It, it's usually somebody close to the child. How do we then, um, so how do we protect our children 
But what about your house? Are there things that you do? Like, do you do sleepovers, for example? I don't do sleepovers. And I mean, just because I don't do sleepovers, I'm not saying that my way is the right way. I think parents should be encouraged to do sleepovers, but I think you need to talk to your children. Let them know that predators can be moms and dads and they can be friends of your of your, of your your friends. You know, they could be your parents' friends. And so in, in the book, I actually spell that out. I mean, tell your children. Anybody who makes you feel uncomfortable could potentially be a predator. If you say no, don't touch my hand and your friend's mom or your friend's dad insists on touching your hand, that's not a good sign. Yeah. If that happens, you need to tell your trusted adult. And I use the word trusted adult because I can't say parent. Look who abused me. So I, t- I use the word adult because sometimes a trusted adult could be your mother's friend or, you know, it could be your mom or it could be your cousin. So just talk to them. Talk to them about everything. And so, of course, if you're going to have a child do a sleepover, you should also talk to the parents and let them know. I do not tolerate abuse. My child will be in your care, but if anything happens, if she says anything, or if I suspect anything without her even telling me, there's going to be, you know, I'll, the police will be involved. I'll file a report. Let them know you're not playing. Once again, let your child be the child that they're scared of, the, the child that they will never even mess with. Let them not even invite you. So you say, even you say it to parents, you'd say it to the, the, the childcare setting, you actually talk, you use the word sexual abuse. Do you say it actually out loud? I do, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Because if I say, don't, I mean, please don't touch my child. I mean, what does that mean? They have to touch my child. Um, I don't want to say anything because, you know, if you tell them, I don't want you to touch my child inappropriately. Yeah, you think, you think they know what you mean or you hope they know what you mean. But if I say sexual abuse, now we're serious. Now we're talking. Or if actually was, I don't want anybody touching my child's private parts inappropriately. Like, you know, I know you have to change my daughter's diaper because she's three months old, but I will be changing her. And I'll be checking. I'm making sure there's no redness, no marks. You've got to tell them. Because children are so vulnerable. And and children are so sweet. You know how sweet they are? They love so hard. I remember being a little girl, being abused, and I love my dad so much. If anybody was to ask me those ages where, you know, before I told my mom, I would deny it because I knew he would be in trouble and I would deny it to protect him even though I was the one being hurt. Not because I wanted it to happen, not because I liked what was happening, but because I loved my dad. And so you just never know. They could scare your kid and say, if you tell, I'm going to hurt your mother. I'm going to hurt your sister. And children don't want to see that. So they will just take the burden. They will take the pain. They will take the abuse. They think in their little minds that they're going to help their mom or their sister. What they need to know is that if anybody ever tells you they're going to hurt your mother or sister, still tell me anyway. Because they're not going to. They're the bad guy. And if you tell me, we could get, we can get the bad guy away and, we could, and we'll be safe. But one other thing to Jeanette I will say is never tell your child that you will hurt the person. Don't tell your child, if anybody touches you or whatever, I'm, I'm going to call the cops. Because, see, again, if somebody told me they would hurt my dad, they would kill my dad, they would call the cops, I would not tell. That's my dad. Children love so deeply. Now, as we get older... I wouldn't say the same thing today, but as a little girl, I would protect my dad. So we have to be very careful. So yeah, you want to speak to the adults around you, speak to your child, most importantly, but in speaking to your child, just tell them, you know, we'll get the bad guy away from you. Don't say we're going to hurt that person because that could be a family member. That could be somebody the child loves. Parents should be mindful of people who want to get too close to the child. For example, um, if you have a, if you have a, you know, a son or daughter and, a family member or friend is always like 
singling out that child. You may have one on one child, but they single out that child. They always bring a gift for the child or let him yeah. stay with me or it's okay. Or you, you punish the child, let's say, and they say, Jeanette, why'd you punish her? Oh, come here. You know, auntie, your uncle loves you so much and they don't understand you. I understand you. You need to stop that right in the tracks. No, I punished him or her because they did X, Y, and Z. And that person needs to stay out of it. That could be a sign of grooming because grooming is about getting that child's trust, then the family's trust, and then so they can, you know. So as they're growing up, when do you start talking mm-hmm. Like, how does the conversation change? So I'm growing with you, Jeanette, in the sense that my kids are very small. My daughter is six and my son is eight. So what I do is I haven't done this before, but I just remember being a little girl and being abused. And so what I do is I take all those feelings and I try to use them into my ex- in, as my experience my, as a mom. So my daughter is now, she's six years old. And of course, she started giving herself baths last year. And so we do stuff like, okay, first she would do, by her, she would do it with my help. And then I would talk about making sure you have your towel on before you get out of the shower. Just like, you know, explaining certain things to her about keeping her body private, keeping her body safe. I haven't actually spoken to her about the act of sex itself, but I'm, I'm watching and I'm learning and I'm listening to the story. I'm very close to her. So what are your friends saying to you? My son as well. They're talking about girls already, you know, who has a crush on who. And I just get involved in the conversations and I see how far they'll go. And I'm going to go at their pace. But at some point in time, before my son turns 10, I'm pretty sure I'm going to tell him a lot more than he may want to know because I feel like your child needs to know and I think they need to hear it from you. And I feel like everyone should do what feels comfortable for them. But keep in mind that you want that education to come from you, not from a friend and not from somebody who's experimenting with them. And I will tell you, I have a boy and a girl and children are curious. And when they play together, if they're playing together in a room or out of sight, or I remember we bought them like a a doctor's kit. And of course, you know, you always hear about little kids playing doctor's game and then they get curious. And I always say, when you guys play with you, when you guys play together in general, you know, you keep your clothes on and nobody touches anybody's private parts because girls, my daughter's Zoe, you have a vagina, and my son, I said, Dominique, you have a penis, and we don't show each other's private parts. I tell them, point blank. Wow. I don't sugarcoat stuff. And so my children know that they don't do that. Why are we so scared to, well, I feel scared to have these conversations, even though I, I want it, it's important. And because even I didn't even know what a period was, my mother didn't tell me anything about anything growing up. I didn't know anything about my body. And I learned about my period in school. Like, you know, when you had those courses yeah. about your body. Yeah, exactly. And from other kids, I learned it from other girls. And I, I, and I think it's really important for us to empower our children and talk to them. But you know, it's really weird. It almost feels like I feel afraid to talk about these things because it's almost like it feels like it might happen. I know this is crazy. Maybe this is some silly, I don't know. But you, you, you feel like, oh, if I speak, then something's going to happen. So maybe I shouldn't speak. But I know it's a nonsense. No, but don't be so hard on yourself. A lot of it to Jeanette is how you've been raised and what you've been, what's been put into your, your head, you know, like uh, me too. This, I had the same upbringing. You don't talk about those things. And oh my God, or if you, if you even talk about those things as a little child, you'd be like a fast girl. Like, what are you talking about? So, you know, people just equate sex for some reason, even though sex is a beautiful thing, it's where a man and a woman come together to make babies and to have beautiful children or to just bring pleasure to each other as husband and wife. We've made it into this like horrible, dark yeah. You know, the sex that happens in the dark, that's the sex. Either somebody's cheating on their husband or their wife, or it's so taboo, or you're, it's, it's the dark things that happen in the dark. That's the bad sex. Everything else is great. And 
we should be able to tell our children, you know. I mean, my my kids asked me, you know, where they came from. And I, I had two C-sections and I showed them my scar. And But I tell you honestly, Jeanette, if I'd had them the natural way, I think I would have told them the truth. Because I think at some point I'm going to tell them that mommy had a, has a scar because I had a C-section. But really, if everything was perfect, you would have came out from my vagina. And very soon I'll be telling them. We haven't had anyone else in my family pregnant, so I haven't had to give a, you know, a talk about it. But I'm sure it's going to come up soon. I just think it's amazing. I just I admire your courage, your strength. I admire the fact that you're just talking so openly about this. So can you tell me your book? Mm-hmm. How can people get it? So we, I have a hardcover. So there's so we have a hardcover version of the book and a soft cover. Um, the hardcover, for some reason, there's been a little issue on Amazon, something to do with the new ISBN number. So they're working on that. But the soft cover is available on Amazon. And also you can find the book um, at the major bookstores, right? Like at Barnes & Nobles online, Target online. And um, people for people who are looking forward to buy books in bulk, they can get them from like Ingram Sparks, Thrift Books. And also my website has a abundant supply, <laughs> always ready. So my website is www.ifyoutouchaltel.com. So it's really easy to remember because it's the name of my book. And yeah, if you do a Google search too, it comes up and it tells you where you can get it. So many other like books, like Thrift Books or Books a Billion, they have it as well. So anywhere you can, anywhere you can, you buy your, your books, you can find my book there. Yes, and I'll put a link awesome. in as well in the show notes so people can just get directly to your website. Are you thinking about doing an audio book? I hadn't thought of an audio book. Um, that is something I should probably think about. Um, but I was one thing I was actually thinking about doing was um, writing a book for parents, um, from my perspective, for parents. Um, I kind of, I have some like chapters, like um, points written out already. I just haven't had the courage to start. I, and I don't know what to say just yet. And, you know, all the, all the normal barriers. And I wanted to kind of be a book that's picked up on the one I already wrote. So I'm just thinking through it. Um, and I want it to be something that all parents can read. I don't want it to be a book that only like a seasoned yeah. parent can read. Because see, my experience, like this is going to sound really crazy. Like I am an experienced victim of sexual abuse, right? I lived through it. So I knew what to say in that book, even with the poster that I made in the book, telling the children or telling parents to put this in your child's room. And so your child can come to you and say, someone touch me here. Without even speaking, they could use the posters in the book, right? Because when I was a little girl, I wish I had that. If I had that, I could have told my mom way before 14. I didn't have the voice. But see, I'm now a parent with two small children and I'm learning the ropes. Like when you asked me the questions before, like, when do you tell them? How do you tell them? I'm learning as I go every day. And so I feel like, do I have the knowledge to tell parents what they need to do, what they need to say? And so in that way, I feel like I feel a little, a little scared, a little apprehensive, you know, I'm not so much worried about like judgment, like people judging me or judging the book, but I want to ensure that when I put a product out there, I want it to be something good and I want people to learn from it, you know? So I'm just like going back and forth, you know, with what I really want to say, how should I say this? How do I explain this knowing what I've been through, you know, because also having lived through the abuse, I I know what I would have liked my parent to do, if that makes sense. So yeah, I do feel a little um yeah. just I feel like I need a little more courage to just just get out there and just do it, you know? Yeah. 
I'm very, I'm the kind of person to that. I'll tell you when I don't know something, I'm not afraid to say I don't know. So I'm like, I feel I like just, just right, just right now, I'm not there yet, but I'm very close. Before, your courage is inspiring. Um, and I, I want to thank you so much for your time and all you're doing. And I know this can't be easy and this journey as well. And it's just one last question. If somebody wants to like get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Definitely. If anyone wants to reach out to me, they can reach out to me at info at if you touch, I'll tell, dot com.